This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today we're getting ready to venture out on the mighty Mississippi River with the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. Uh, With a wealth of knowledge and experience to match, Bob will help us dive deep into the world of catfish fishing. Some of the things we hope to talk about this hour are the types of lures that attract the prize catches, how to stay safe on the water, and what areas make for the best catches. Also, Dr. Major is here ready to take some pet questions. So join our conversation this morning with a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-672. 7464 or email the show animals at mpbonline.org and a reminder that if you ever miss creature comforts on thursdays it does repeat saturday mornings at six so good morning hope everyone is doing well this morning good morning good morning Uh, in the first part of the show, we have a special guest joining us from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's Nicole Smith. Uh, Nicole, you're here to let us know about some upcoming things at the museum. Absolutely. We are a little too excited about what's going to happen this Saturday. <laughs> we have the Mississippi Science Fest. This is a first really big LaFleur's uh, Museum District event. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what I mean when I say LaFleur's District, I'm talking about the Natural Science Museum the Children's Museum, the Sports Hall of Fame, and the Ag Museum. All four compose that district. And so for one day, you pay this one ticket price, and you get into all four museums to see all these science, technology, engineering, and mathematics interactive exhibits, things to do, play, explore. If you're a child with an interest in science, this is definitely for you. And if you're an adult that wants to... uh, have some scientific experiences, this is also very good for you. <laughs> so is that just at the, I mean, will all four museums be involved in the, the STEM-type uh, exhibits? Absolutely. So this is a, a four-campus event. All four facilities are running it, and we have right around 50 or more exhibitors uh, totaling uh, through the facilities. Our museum is also doing a special theme within the Science Fest all about water. So we are going to uh, play games about the water cycle. We're going to meet uh, live animals that are dependent uh, upon aquatic ecosystems. We're going to uh, be doing experiments with uh, stormwater and density, uh, trying to uh, find the best way to manage that uh, with one of our exhibitors. We, we've got so much going on. I don't know if you can even do all of it in a day, but uh, there's something truly for everybody. We're going to have robots. I'm really excited about the fact that we're going to have robots on our site. I actually think the Children's Museum is also going to have robots. And um, the Sports Hall of Fame's super exciting thing is they have been uh, renovating some of their play floor space and they're going to have the grand opening of the motion magic's play force play floor space so i know they're excited about that and at um at noon uh, at the Sports Hall of Fame, you get to do a uh, meet and greet with an astronaut, mm. um, a special guest Apollo 13 astronaut and Mississippi native Fred Hayes, mm-hmm. though he is kicking off the event Friday night at the Ag Museum with a special um, 
special keynote speech. So mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Paul, 13 astronaut, Mississippi native. What's not to love? You got to yeah. go see that. Exactly. <laughs> and so this is all taking place Saturday. This is all Saturday. Uh, the Children's Museum was the um, initial, you know, uh, creator of this, and they uh, they invited everybody to be a part of it. So we've been collaborating uh, all the museums in the district for about a year to make this. Uh, Children's Museum is going to be doing some great things with Ublek and uh, elephant toothpaste. Uh, I mean, you might have to come see that to believe it. It's really, really great. Uh, Everything that we're doing is just awesome. And our uh, our dinosaur, the museum's dinosaur, Lulu, she's going to come out to play around 3 o'clock on Saturday. It's not every day you get to meet a dinosaur. Yeah, (laughs) a a kinder, gentler velociraptor uh, than the ones you've seen in Jurassic Park. So (laughs) it's going to be fun. uh, By chance, will there be any shuttles running between the... Yes, great question. So when you buy admission for this event at any one of the museums, they will give you a wristband. That wristband is proof you've paid, and it's also passage on the trolley. We have this little trolley bus that's traveling between all four sites. There will be clearly marked uh, stops for you know getting on and getting off, and so that way you can park at any one place mm-hmm. and then travel amongst them all, making it a little more comfortable for you. There will also be food trucks at uh-huh. each site, so if you want to make a whole day of it and never leave the district, that's entirely possible. And if you're really committed to bringing a picnic lunch, that's fine too. There are a lot of picnic tables. Well, that's great. I mean, that's great news. It's, I'm glad to hear that the those four museums uh, in that district, and it, they're very close physically, geographically, good to hear that they're working together, and it sounds like it would be a lot of fun. And as you said, so, so many different things, uh, something I'm sure to interest every member of the family. So, so, so one thing worth noting, though, this is like one of maybe two events in the year where your membership doesn't really count because we're having to share things amongst the four of us. So um, for that day, it will be a $10 ticket for everybody, and that's from ages uh, one and up. Under one is free, but one and up, it will be you know, the $10 ticket, but you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. You're getting entrance to four museums for the day with all of this extra stuff that you never would have had before. So it makes it extra special, plus the facilities that you would normally experience. So it's it's layers of goodness. It's layers <laughs> of science goodness. Make it sound edible that way. Uh, well, there is some edible science stuff, but that's like a whole thing. So, <laughs> Well, then, should we go ahead and talk about then the following weekend, we have one event, and we talked about that a little bit last week, uh, Born to be Wild Picnic, and that's 10 to 12. This one is just at the Natural Science Museum right. at that time, September the 30th, so mm-hmm. a week from this. If you didn't get enough this Saturday, go back, <laughs> and for $10, you get uh, Chimneyville lunch plus admission to the museum. There's going to be archery, can fishing, laser shoot, and Lulu the dinosaur again. Lulu likes to visit and, people. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and uh, one of the beneficiaries of the picnic is the uh, the Coalition for um, Children with Disabilities. Okay, all right, very good. I think so. that's Citizens Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities. I'm sorry, which is a because, wonderful group. Yes. If you want to learn more about it, they have a website, and it's a wonderful support group for people of all um, all walks of life, and you should learn more about it and uh, get on their mailing list. And you get the tickets at 
MSCCD.org. Okay. You can get them at the door, I think, but they really prefer you do that in advance so that we get a head count. So MSCCD.org. That helps them plan for food. <laughs> yeah, and you'll learn all about the coalition, coalition mm-hmm. at that time, too. All right, so very good. So some things going on the next two weekends uh, at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So, Nicole, thanks for uh, stopping by and let us know about that. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Can I mention one more thing? I'm sorry. I'm an event planner, and I can't stop talking about events. Uh, (laughs) uh, Coming up in October, uh, we're calling it Fossil Friday the 13th. It really (laughs) is the 13th of October. It is our celebration of National Fossil Day. Officially is October 11th, but why not do it on October the 13th? That sounds like more fun. And uh, from 10 till noon, we'll have all kinds of fossil-related stations uh, spread through the museum. So if you have uh, young children, elementary through middle school age, that have an interest in learning more about paleontology, this is a really good intro to it. And I mentioned that hoping that homeschool families are hearing, you know, because you might have some flex to come out on such short notice. Uh, also, maybe some school teachers are listening, and they might want to bring us some school groups for that. It's going to be a beautiful day. Well, I've worked that's here. That's the 13th of October, 10 a.m. till noon. I've worked here so long, I'm known as an old fossil, so maybe I could be on display there. I'm not sure. So. Yes. I think right. you're okay. <laughs> you're, you're not fossiliferous. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will begin our discussion with our guest this morning, Bob Crosby, who's the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. We're going to talk about uh, catfish fishing uh, with Bob and also Dr. Major here ready to take some pet questions. So give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation. The phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with the owner and the operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. So we're going to be talking a little bit about um, uh, catfish fishing uh, with Bob and some of his work on the Mississippi River. So, Bob, thanks for joining us this morning. Well, thank you so much for having me. Give us a little background on you. Uh, how long have you been interested in, in fishing and, and that kind of thing? Oh, shoot. I've been fishing ever since I got out of diapers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I started fishing on the Mississippi River probably oh, 18, 20 years ago. And uh, I had a real good fishing buddy, and uh, he had some health issues, and he couldn't go with me anymore. So I kind of drifted into this guiding thing about four years ago. And I thought I'd kind of experiment with it. If I liked it, I'd stick with it. And I'm uh, just having a ball. So uh, you offer uh, guides of the river. So is it folks that might want to just uh, enjoy the river itself and then also maybe as a separate category, those that want to go fishing? Or is it primarily people uh, looking to fish? Primarily fishing. I've had a couple of people just wanted to uh, kind of ride up and down the river. And uh, I'm not really a tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fisherman. And uh but anyway, yeah, mainly fishing, yeah, going out looking for the catfish. 
All right. Uh, and uh, you were talking uh, to Nicole before we came on the air. Um, so when you catch them, these these are quite large fish. Uh, well, the average fish in the Mississippi River is, I guess, much larger than the average fish in you know most ponds and streams. But uh, the biggest fish, catfish in North America, in the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, there's some huge. I think the Mississippi state record for blue cat is around 95 pounds. Wow! So that just in some of the adjoining states, I think Tennessee and Louisiana is well over 100 pounds. Hmm. So there's some really big fish out there. So there's one out there for you to catch. Yeah, we're, you we're got, looking for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had him on, but lost him. <laughs> so if you have a question about uh, catfish fishing on the Mississippi River, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, or just a general wildlife question or observation, we'd love to hear from you this morning. And our phone lines are open, so please give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Bob, I guess these are a little bit too big for, what is it? Is it can, not canoodling? What is the... <laughs> the noodling? Noodling, yes. <laughs> canoodling is something yeah. different I don't think I want to get into. No, we catch them with a rod and reel and hook. I don't catch them with my hands. I'll leave that to those uh, those adventurous guys. <laughs> so uh, give us a little bit maybe of what the experience is like when you take a group out there and you go uh, fishing for these big fish on the river. Huh? First thing we stress is safety. You know, the Mississippi River scares a lot of people, but if you're prepared... And, uh, you know, just use some common sense. There's no problem. But our first rule is we always wear a life jacket. We never take our life jacket off. And, you know, there's big barges out there, but uh, we've got a big enough boat that it's not a problem. So, uh, you know, we avoid the barges, uh, respect the waves, and uh, just spend the day out. Primarily, we try to have fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a good experience. A lot of people have never been on the Mississippi River. It's just a neat experience being out there on the river. And uh, second, we try to catch fish. main reason we're going out there is to catch fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned waves, and that's, I guess, something that maybe if, if people aren't familiar with, with large rivers, but uh, I, and I'm myself included in that, I, I, it's, it's, I guess we don't realize that there would be waves in the river. Oh, the, the, the waves from the, the river aren't usually that bad. It's those barges. barges yeah. <laughs> I mean, there would be huge rolls, and they just follow them up the river. You think that that barge will pass you. And it'll literally be, I think, a half, three-quarter mile up the river, and there's still waves following the barge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but again, using common sense, staying away from you. You can see them out there. Just slow down and avoid them, and you'll be okay. Um, how big are the boats that you take out on the river? Uh, my boat is a 19-foot center console boat. Okay. So really, any boat, say uh, a bass-type boat or a ski boat, is sufficient. You know, I've seen people out there in little... Uh, aluminum John boats with 20 horsepower motors, and uh, that's not very smart, but uh, just a good sized boat, and you'll be okay. So, uh, how did you get uh, particularly interested in, in catching these big catfish on the river? Oh, uh, well, my friend and I went over there one day. We were just kind of adventurous. We said, let's go to the Mississippi River and just see what's going on. And uh, we got lucky and caught a few fish. We didn't know what we were doing, really. And over time, we kind of developed uh the fishing patterns and uh uh it's just it's just a thrill catching those big fish i mean it's as close as you can come to saltwater fishing mm-hmm. uh inland as you can find but it's uh it's just a thrill catching those big you know 30 40 50 even larger 
pound catfish. Yeah, and I imagine it would be a real challenge. I mean, if, you, if folks who enjoy fishing, this seems like this would be one of the ultimate challenges that, that they could uh, uh, attempt. Yeah, and we get people from all over. I mean, it's amazing. This uh, blues trail, uh, people from Europe. We've had people from uh, Europe, mm-hmm. from out of state, uh, all over come to Mississippi. And then they're fascinated by the Mississippi River and want to get out on the river. So uh, it's really – and now they've got those two boats, big uh, paddle wheeler boats that are docking in Vicksburg. Uh, I was over there yesterday, and they were there. They must have had a couple hundred people uh, leaving those boats touring Vicksburg. So mm-hmm. it's it's really a, a neat adventure just being on the river and trying to catch those big fish. So uh, do we know why the Mississippi River has such big catfish? Oh, uh, I guess it's the food source. I'm not a biologist. Right. I, <laughs> I'm just a fisherman. But uh, it's just a huge body of water. Uh, and it's probably not fished as hard as, uh, you know, say our local reservoirs and lakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be out there, shoot, never see anybody, which is good, but it's also bad. It's such a neat resource. But uh, I think, you know, those big fish, I've been told, you know, 40, 50-pound fish is probably 15, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just takes a lot of time to grow that big of a fish. So you mentioned that you don't see a lot of people out there. Is it? Uh, do you think that people just aren't aware that this type of fishing opportunity exists, or maybe it's a little bit too daunting for some folks? Or? I think it's some of both. I think it's daunting to people, which, uh, you know, if you go with somebody that's been out there before or just go out there, again, with a sufficient-sized boat, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of take your time and get used to it, uh, but, yeah, dawning and uh, I don't know. People just uh, haven't experienced it. Once you go, I've got people, once they go, they're just repeat customers, and then they go on their own boats once they learn how to do it. So how many uh, do you usually take uh, at a time? I can take up to three people beside myself mm-hmm. uh, due to the size of my boat. More than that, it'd kind of be crowded and uh, wouldn't be a good experience. And I guess uh, when you're sort of wrestling a, a large fish like that, you, you do need a little elbow room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those fish in the river are just are stronger than uh, the fish I catch at, say, the reservoir of Pearl River. I think they're like weightlifters. They're fighting that current all the time, and they're just stronger fish. What about in terms of your gear? I mean, is it the same sort of fishing gear that you would use in, in other circumstances? No, we use a lot bigger gear. Uh-huh. We use, uh, you know, that current over there is so strong we have to use eight ounce weights six and eight ounce and sometimes even larger to stay on the bottom and uh big heavy rods uh you know you're throwing say eight ounces of weight and uh we use big baits about the size of a softball oh wow so uh you know that's that would break the tip off of a typical bass rod so we have to use big tackle Mm -hmm. big hooks and i imagine too there's that little plastic or not plastic but the little rod holder to help them when they start to fight with the fish no you got to pick it up wrestling yourself (laughs) i'm showing my ignorance of fishing here so i hope i don't sound too uh silly but uh no oh but all right so that's it so it's you against the fish pretty much then yeah you're on your own all right i don't really mean for you it's your fish (laughs) okay (laughs) we've got uh sue from beaumont on the line has a question for us Uh, good morning sue hi i I just wanted to ask your guest uh, what do you use for bait? Maybe I missed that part. If you've already explained it, I'm sorry. And also, do you do catch and release, or what, what do people do with these huge catfish? They actually take them home and clean them and eat them, or, or what do you do with them? Uh, I encourage people to uh, 
release, catch and release. I mean, if somebody wants to keep some eating-sized fish, that's fine, but it's just a shame to kill something that big and old. So, yeah, we have a... What do you use for bait? uh, For bait, uh, we use shad, which, you know, you can usually catch that. Anybody that's uh, experienced in fishing usually knows how to catch shad. Uh, Chicken livers are real good, but our primary bait is skipjack herring. Hmm. And most people aren't familiar with that. We catch those out in the river. They're native to the river, so uh, a lot of times it's more difficult to catch the bait than the fish. I've always heard that catfish like things that are like rank and uh, like decomposing on the bottom of the river to eat, you know. Oh, I tell you, I think, uh, well, I'm just speaking about fish in the Mississippi River. I think they like fresh bait. Uh, Really? um, A lot of people use uh, goldfish. That might not be... Uh, something <laughs> our pet people want to hear, but there are a lot of bait shops that sell goldfish, and the reason they do that, the goldfish are real uh, hardy. They don't die very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the shiners that, like the crappie fishermen use, they die real quick on the hook, but these goldfish, you, they're real difficult to kill. But anyway. Uh, well, thank you. All right. Hey, Sue, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines. If you're interested about uh, fishing for big catfish on the Mississippi River, you can call up and ask our guest, Bob Crosby, some questions. Also, Dr. Majors here or any pet questions that you have. And we always like to hear any kind of wildlife observations or maybe a question that you have for us. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And again, Bob, I'm coming from the uh, not fisherman, you know, uh, uh, orientation, I guess. But when I see the things on commercial, on TV, with all the little fake things that wiggle and move and you can spray, uh, you know, odor and scent on them, uh, to me, and again, I'm not a fisherman, but that seems like that's cheating. But it sounds like this might not be something that you would do. And again, it's sort of you versus the fish. Yeah, and uh, we use. Uh we don't use artificials. Mm-hmm. The catfish, you know, that's more bass, crappie, okay. and the other type fish. But, yeah, we use uh, try to use bait native to the, the river. So uh, so the catfish are too smart for that artificial stuff? Oh, they just – and like the caller said, they do want something smelly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got another caller to get to. This time we're going to talk to BJ, who is in Memphis. Good morning, BJ. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, I'm calling relevant to your conversation about safety and the Mississippi River. My grandfather was a Mississippi River fisherman. He had actually a fish market on the Arkansas side of the river in West Memphis, Arkansas. And I grew up learning a great deal that uh, I enjoy in my adult life about the Mississippi River. And one of the things you've been talking about is safety and about the waves. There is another element that a lot of people don't uh, ever mention, which has to do with the undertow around those barges. Uh, my grandfather actually was sucked underneath a barge one time because a, another boat came by and somehow or other the, the confluence between the waves of the two created something that uh, made the undertow reach out further than normal from the barge. But the barge is going downstream because of the increased flow downstream are uh, actually a greater undertow than those going upstream. 
Any comments about that? Well, yes, ma'am, you're right. But I tell you, uh, we, we just—I just avoid the barges when they come. I, I go over to the side of the river, or the bank, or you know, it's a big, wide river. Uh, but you're right; you got to be careful around those barges. You can't be too careful. Well, it's just another consciousness that would be really wise for uh, fishermen to be aware of. That not only the waves that are in the wake of the barges, but getting too close to them has that additional. Uh, danger that you don't see until it's got a hole to it. Yeah, and I think people that aren't experienced on the river or haven't talked to somebody that's experienced on the river might not understand that and might get too close. Because when you're behind it and you get in the waves, then you're, you know, you you notice right mm-hmm. away, obviously, right. the turbidity. But on the upside of it, you know, when you're in front of the barge, you might misunderstand how dangerous that could be. Yeah, and those barges can't stop when they're coming mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. river, so you you don't cross in front of them. And you, Bob, sort of that's your your part of the the whole thing is that your experience, you know that, so you're out there to make sure that the folks fishing have a good time and they don't need to worry about undertow and that sort of thing. Exactly. If something like sometimes we'll be over there and a, a bank of fog will roll in or something you can't see, so we we don't go out. I mean, I'm couple times we've had to we get off the boat ramp say seven o'clock it may be noon before we go out we're just mm-hmm. not going to go out if it's bad conditions all right you know i would encourage if if somebody wants to learn to fish the mississippi river in their own boat that they go a time or two with bob mm-hmm. or somebody that's experienced on that river you can learn a lot doing that and then you'll feel a lot more confident right in i've boat. got a lot of people that go with me and uh, then they go by themselves, you know, mm-hmm. once they get a little experience. All right. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue talking with our guest, who today is the owner and operator of the Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. We're talking about fishing for big catfish in the Mississippi River. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions, and we have uh, time for your wildlife questions and observations as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can always email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Bob Crosby, who's the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, and we're talking about fishing for big catfish on the Mississippi River. Got a couple calls to get to, so let's start again uh, in Horn Lake. David has called in today. Good morning, David. Good morning to you. Go ahead. Uh, I just started listening, so I don't know if it's been brought up or not. If it is, just forgive me. Uh, I, I got a question about the Asian carp explosion that's all up and down the Mississippi River in the Oxbow Lakes, and also uh, several years ago on sections of the Mississippi Mississippi River. Pri- as far as I know, a primary—I can't even talk this morning. <laughs> forgive me. Primarily close to the Tennessee Mississippi state line, they ban commercial fishing and they discourage you from eating any fish over, you know, a big size. So I was wondering if it have uh, the, the effects of uh, pollution and pesticide uh, uh, has been diminished. Uh, I bet Libby's can address that better than I can. Her husband Paul's 
is an expert uh, on that area. Okay, you want me to talk about the silver carp first? Well, uh, was it the pollution also in oh, the silver carp? Well, um, I, I, we recommend that, you know, and I wouldn't say exactly what size, but that that you don't ingest those large fish. They're old. They've uh, bio-accumulated um, a lot of poisons probably through the years. Mm-hmm. When uh, the water's cleaner now, David, didn't you, you bring that up? Yeah, it's much cleaner than it used to be. But if you're catching a fish that's 20 years old, we don't know what he got in his body back when he was a young fish. So that's another reason to respect those old fish, and you can catch them, get a quick picture, and put him back in the water. Mm-hmm. But the smaller fish, there's every indication, and a lot of um, uh, chemical analysis has been done, that they are safe to eat. All right. So, you know, I would say go ahead and do it. And then as far as the silver carp, yeah, there are a tremendous problem out there. And, you know, those of us that enjoy the river say... Get as many of them out of there as you can. They are very good to eat. They've got bones, so you've got to be careful. I've I've eaten them three times this week, so I would say, yes, they're very good. Smoked and baked are my two favorite ways to eat them. And you can eat a big carp because they grow really, really fast, unbelievably fast. And they feed on primarily algae and vegetation. They're... Um, they're, they they shouldn't be in the river. They were introduced. They do cause problems. You've got to be careful when they start jumping. If you get in an area where they're jumping, and that's another time to, you know, I have one of those little lightweight life jackets that's cool to wear. I mean, cool, not like cool, cool man, right. cool, but yeah, like it's not hot. Yeah, so, and I keep it on all the time, and I, that's what I would recommend people do on the Mississippi River particularly. You put one of those around your neck and strap it around your waist, and you pull the cord if you need it, and mm-hmm. I think you ought to do that on the river. But when they're silver carp jumping, I put the biggest life jacket I can find <laughs> on because I've been hit a couple of times now by them. All right. Hey, David, I appreciate your call. Let's move on next. We've got... Uh, Ronnie from Kosciuszko has called in today. Good morning, Ronnie. You're on the air. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I'd like to ask a question about the the catfish. The majority of the catches, are they just one species like channel cat or blue cat or that old flathead Appaloosis cat? I'm interested in that uh, absolute Appaloosis catfish. Are there a lot of those in that river, and and are they caught a lot? I think there's about every species of freshwater fish in the Mississippi River. I mean, sturgeon, catfish, but the three species, well, really probably four. I think there's the, um, what's that catfish with the big long nose, Libby? I'm drawing a blank here. The, f- the flathead? No. No. Um, paddlefish. Oh, the paddle- oh paddle- okay. Paddle- not a catfish. Yes. Yeah, he's not the a paddlefish. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, f- the flathead, we catch a lot of the flatheads, and there's channel cat and the blue cat. But the way we fish, we primarily catch mostly blue cat. Those um, uh, flatheads, the yellow cat, are more more akin to the game fish, I guess, the bass and uh, crappie. They like live bait. So those guys are using those um, uh, goldfish and live bait catch more of the flatheads than we do. We're using more of the cut bait and uh, the, the livers and stuff. But yeah, they're all they're all over there. And if you okay, catch a you. sturgeon or a or a paddlefish, you do need to let those go immediately. Yes. yes. Right. 
Hey, Bernie, we appreciate your call. We've got some open phone lines. If you'd like to call in to Creature Comforts this morning, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. We're talking about fishing for big catfish in the Mississippi River with the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. Also, Dr. Major here, better to take some uh, pet questions. And we do have an email here uh, for Dr. Major. It says, we have two cats and feed them Purina Complete Dry Cat Food. One cat is fine. The other cat has very stinky flatulence and very soft, stinky bowel movements. Would a different food help with this? And would you be able to recommend a food for us to try? If you don't think the food is the answer, what would be some other likely causes of this situation? Well, that's a good question. Uh, so, of the three cats, one of them is having two. But yeah, one's good, one's having okay, troubles. Right, one is having troubles with it. I would certainly seek to change the food just to see uh, if you can have maybe an improvement on that. Uh, it would be difficult for me to tell you. The exact food. Cats are funny. They they may look at a food and say, I'm not going to eat this regardless. Uh, there is one that's uh, made <laughs> that is for intestinal issues called ID. You might try that and see if that, that would help. Both cats could eat that without any problem. Uh, other than that, trial and error. Hopefully this cat does not have irritable bowel disease, which can be a real issue long term. So uh, I would talk to your vet about that, but let's let's try foods such as ID or uh, low residue and see if that will help. And it wouldn't be that unusual that two cats would be eating the same food and, and one of them have a problem and, and one of them not? Not that unusual. Okay. There may be a specific problem, though, with this one cat. Could be a, a, you know, a food allergy, but it also could be other reasons that it's having this type of gas and loose bowel movements and i guess also too you you know you mentioned the food if they were to switch food and then obviously the problem continues that would be a time again to make sure to go into the vet and then do some further uh checking absolutely and of course when i mentioned irritable bowel disease that's one of the more uh chronic and also a very difficult disease to treat so uh, i would suggest that if you do the food change still doing this or talk to your vet first, but you need some help with that. All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about fishing for big catfish in the Mississippi River with the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. We've got some open phone lines, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Bob, are there certain spots on the river that are you're always going to find a lot of catfish, or is it they're all out there and no matter where you go? Or what's what's the... And I know sometimes I don't want to ask for any kind of secret spots, because, again, I know fishermen <laughs> get real protective of that. Well, I tell you, that Mississippi River just changes from day to day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the tides on the Gulf Coast. You know, the, if, if the river rises or falls, you know, it moves the fish. So uh, the main thing is you need a real good depth finder. Okay. Uh, we go out there and we go over the holes and drop-offs and uh, look look for fish. And uh, that way, you don't know what kind of fish they are. There's everything in the river. But if you see something, we try to fish. If we don't, we move on to another area. And also, those depth finders, you know, you can see what depth of water you're in. Mm-hmm. If you're going up down the river and it starts getting in a, a area that's getting shallow, you can move out and get deeper. So it's good to have your depth finder on all the time for safety also. 
And so you would, again, when you go out on the river, you would go somewhere, I guess, anchor, and then check out that area, and if it's good, keep going. If not, try to find another spot? Yeah, we've got certain spots we go check out, Mm -hmm. and uh, we usually give them 30 minutes. If they're there, um, you know, they usually bite within 30 minutes. If we catch fish, we stay there. If not, we move on to somewhere else. We we hunt the fish. We don't wait for the fish to come to us. <laughs> Bob, what are some of the deeper parts of the river? Oh, shoot. I tell you, right there just north of the bridge and where the Maristar Casino is, I mean, just a stone's throw from the bank, it's 100 and – well, it depends on the river level, but right now it's probably 125 feet deep right there. Right. Some of the deepest water is right in front of the Maristar. Okay. That's a great place to go and start looking at your shh, depth finder, shh, don't too. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good place. <laughs> no, what I was thinking about is all the drop-offs. The geography of the river right there yeah, is so cool. That, like, you can be on a shoal there, and then, whoo, there's the Grand <laughs> Canyon under yeah. there. Yeah. And there's a good sandbar mm-hmm. straight across over there. I think it's Delta Point. Mm-hmm. And that's a good, uh, that's a favorite place for people to uh, pitch their tent and uh, spend the night and uh, fish off the bank. That, and it's not far from the boat ramp. So how how far up and down the river do you will you generally go? Oh shit, we'll cover twenty miles in a day. Mm-hmm. We run and gun. I mean, it's we'll go south. Sometimes we go south. Sometimes we go north. Just kind of depends on the the whim or. Where we've been catching fish. Also, we go to Port Gibson a lot. Port Gibson's a great place. Love going to Port Gibson. Okay. Uh, we got one last break to take this hour. We'll make it back. We'll continue talking with Bob Crosby. He's the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. We've been talking about uh, fishing for the big catfish in the Mississippi River. If you have a question, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Bob Crosby, who's the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, and we've been talking about fishing for the big catfish on the Mississippi River. Um, Bob, in another interview, you said that you had a fishing bucket list, uh, fishing for salmon and halibut in Alaska and tuna fishing in southern Louisiana. Have you been able to knock either of those off the list? Uh, I've been tuna fishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't been uh, the salmon or um, the halibut. Okay. But uh, that's still on my bucket list. I'm going to go. All right. (laughs) Uh, What was the the, uh, tuna fishing experience like? Oh, it was great. Uh, Went out of Venice, Louisiana, which I think is the the saltwater capital fishing of the world. You know, you go out from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, you got to go, not anything, there's great fishing on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but you've got to go miles and miles and miles to hit deep water. Mm-hmm. Down at Venice, shoot, you don't have to go very far at all, and you're in real deep water, okay. thousand feet of water. So anyway, it was a great experience. There big fish, um, great eating. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's one of my favorite things uh, in uh in a Chinese restaurant or a uh, um, hibachi is to get some uh, some tuna fish. So, uh, we've got Gabe on the line from Ridgeland. Good morning, Gabe. Hey, Kevin. Always good to talk to you. All right, good to hear from you. Hey, um, it's interesting that um, our expert mentioned Venice, Louisiana. That's not my qu- my question, but I just wanted to say I helped open Drago's the restaurant on County Line Road, mm-hmm. and um, all of their seafood comes from uh, uh, boats that are launched. 
from Venice, Louisiana. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so he's in good company. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, my question is, I know that our experts specifically talking about catfishing the Mississippi River, but I live close to the Ross Barnett Reservoir, and most of the fishing that my family does is there on the reservoir. Now, the water on the reservoir tastes like gasoline, <laughs> and the catfish don't taste all that good. Is that in my head, or is it like, or are they really like not safe to eat? Out of a body of water that has a lot of, you know, a lot of boating. Um, that's exactly what my husband says. He, 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 the, he says the fish tastes better out of the Mississippi River, and I don't know if that's because of anything particularly in the river, but that's that's where he wants to eat them from. You know? I agree with that. You know, I actually live in Madison, and I drive back and forth, and I fish the reservoir, fish uh, the Mississippi River, but. Uh, I think those fish in the Mississippi River are great. You know, the small ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Gabe, thanks for your call. Um, we're talking today with uh, Bob Crosby, who owns and operates Blue Cat Guide Service, and we've been talking about uh, fishing for big catfish in the Mississippi River. Um, so uh, what's the best time of year to find fish in the river? Uh, the Really, the best time to catch the big fish uh, is in the cold weather, mm-hmm. um, winter and fall. Um and that's when I really have the river to myself. Most everybody's uh, deer hunting and duck hunting then. But it uh, seems like the big fish just come out uh, when the water gets cold. Also, uh, in the summer, they're kind of scattered out. But once that water gets below about 50 degrees, they seem to concentrate more in the deep holes. Hmm. So they're easier to find, and uh, you know, we can... If we find them, we can work on them then. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there, this is something you really could do year round, though. Oh sure, sure. It's uh, you, they're out there year round. It's just uh, again the bigger fish in the winter. Okay. People ask me the best time of the year, and I'd say the the fall in the winter. From now through about uh, February, the okay. weather may not be comfortable, but uh, the fishing's good. What about best time of day? Uh I don't think those fish, we fish a lot of deep water, you know, 40, 50, 60 feet water. I don't know if they know what time of the day it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, you never know. I think it's just finding the fish and finding uh, hungry fish. Right, yeah, yeah. so th- they just know that they see some food there they're right. trying to get after. <clears throat> What's the largest catfish that you've ever caught? Uh, my personal best is 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. My friend I was talking about used to fish with me, he actually caught a 90-pounder. So... Uh, and what about um, lengths? I mean, if you were to hold one up, what would it kind of look like? Oh, shoot. That 75-pounder, he was uh, almost as long as I am. Wow. I'll bet he was five and a half feet long or so. Hmm. How much does the one weigh that you that you put in the museum? Uh, yeah, the one we put in the museum, uh, it was a 47-pounder. And it should have been bigger. It's a huge frame fish. It was kind of postponed, and I think the fish was stressed from the spawn. Should have been a 55 or 60 pound fish. Is it a female then? Uh, I asked Ted Orlack, or I guess the biologist, uh-huh. and he didn't know how to sex the fish. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, this really does sound like it's it's quite a challenge because, as you mentioned, you've got currents in the river. You've got these giant fish. I mean, even I'm sure the fishing gear has some weight to it. So this, this to me, really does sound like it would kind of be the ultimate challenge for, for a fisherman. It's uh, it's it's unusual type fishing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you only experience it on the Mississippi River or big rivers, you know, the Tom Bigby River system, the Mississippi River. Uh, now, you don't use tackle like that. uh 
you don't have the current in the Ross Barnett Reservoir. You have some. There's some big catfish out there, but you just don't have to use as big a tackle and weights to stay on the bottom. And so we talked about the uh, idea of safety first and being safe on the water. And would you say that it's it's just a matter of an awareness and and sort of um, you know common sense? So is the is the river dangerous? Do you would you say? I don't think so. I mean, it's uh, there are ladies talking about the barges. Yes, those barges are dangerous. But uh, again, if you use common sense, uh, I just don't get close to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stay when they're coming down the middle of the river. We'll go to the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you don't cross in front of them, but in uh, under bad weather conditions. But uh, yeah, it is. I have to say it. You have to respect the river, but just use common sense and uh, big enough boats, and you'll be okay. All right. So if someone's listening and, and is up to the challenge, how would they uh, get in touch and, and arrange a, a trip? Uh, my website is bluecatguideservice dot com. Okay. Uh, so you can look up. I've got all the information, got videos, pictures of fish, and all my contact information, bluecatguideservice.com. And who would you say is, is kind of a typical customer? Is it really the kind of the, again, the serious fisherman that's looking for that ultimate challenge? Uh, some. I get a lot of people that have never fished. Hmm. Uh, they just want to have an experience on the Mississippi River. Uh, we get a lot of people that are serious fishermen. Yes, they. Uh, we get both. I, I'd say some of both. That's curious. I'd be curious to know sort of what the reaction are for people who've never. I mean, it's like you've never fished. Where well, you're going to go up to the very top there? So, what what are some of the reactions like for people who have never done it before? Oh, uh, I had uh, a group from Belgium one time, uh, and it was a neat experience. They were doing the blues trail. Uh, they one of the guys brought a get his uh, guitar, and they were singing blues on the river. <laughs> and uh, when. He caught a fish. I said, is this your first catfish? He said, this is my first fish. (laughs) (laughs) So that was very neat. But no, they're just fascinated by the Mississippi River. People have never been out there. And uh, uh, when we launched the boat that morning, uh, there was a a dead catfish uh, near the boat ramp. And he said, is that what we're going to catch? I said, yeah, that's a catfish. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what made you decide to start uh, taking other folks out on the river? Oh, like I said, I kind of drifted into it. Uh, I'd been fishing with other guides uh, up the river in, uh, in other areas. And uh, like I said, when my good buddy, my fishing buddy, uh, had his uh, health issues and couldn't go with me, uh, I didn't have as many people to fish with, and people started calling me, and uh, so I just kind of drifted into it. Mm-hmm. Somebody called me and said, well, would you take me fishing? And I took them fishing, and somebody else kind of word of mouth. So I said, "Heck, I might uh, give it a try." And so, do they keep um, records on large catfish catches? Huh. Well, they keep records on the, um, you know, the state record, the largest fish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they. Keep, I don't think there's records on quantity or anything like that. Yeah, but size of each yeah, species. They yeah. have a lot of catfish tournaments. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, September, I think in about two weeks, September the 30th, there's going to be a cat tournament on the Mississippi River at Vicksburg. So if anybody's interested, I think it's, look it up. It's the Mississippi Catfish Trail. Okay. Or contact me and I can put you in, uh, in contact with them. But, uh, yeah, they keep very extensive records on their catches and uh, the anglers of the year and awards and so on. But, uh, but again, if you're doing the catch and release, obviously you need to snap a picture of it first, or I imagine no one's going to believe you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take his picture. (laughs) 
All right. So, uh, again, if you could remind us uh, of how to get in touch if someone's interested in, in setting up a trip. Yes. Again, it's bluecatguideservice.com. Okay. Bob Crosby, and I'm in uh, Ma- Madison. Okay. So you could find me in uh, the Madison directory. My phone number, I'll give that out, uh, 601-953-5767. All righty. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's land, waters, and wildlife. And from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Bob Crosby, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's MPB's Season Pass. And we'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.